Pray with me, if you will. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege of being here and of watching online this day, being connected to the body of Christ, and even more so as we'll hear. Open our hearts and minds to receive your word, but not only listen to it and deceive ourselves, but to do what it says. In Jesus' name, amen. Our Ephesians reading from this morning, really popular wedding text, wedding reading. In fact, it was one of the readings that we chose for our wedding, Ephesians 5. Anybody else here choose Ephesians 5 for their wedding? Okay, so I'm not the only one who got that wrong? Good. You'll hear more in a minute why. Uh, But it'll be 20 years, 20 years this March for Maria and I. Uh, And I know some of you are like, but a moment ago when I asked you what your readings were, you were like, oh, hmm. So there's pros and cons, but give us the 20 that we've earned so far. I can tell you that I remember it very well. Maria and I both wanted a traditional wedding. We wanted to get married in a church. We wanted to, it was important that we had the same number of groomsmen as bridesmaids, uh, that there was symmetry there. We even wanted to use traditional vows instead of writing our own. Uh, Either is fine, but we wanted to use the vows that are actually based on Ephesians 5. And I can remember being very hesitant and struggling to pull the trigger on the vows, not the wedding, on the vows, just to be clear. In particular, with that word submit. Perhaps, like some of you, we were worried that somehow promising to be submissive was something negative at least in our understanding at the time, or rather our misunderstanding. To us, that word submissive seemed to describe more of a master-slave relationship than a husband and wife. And it was only after talking with our pastor at the time that we were able to choose and use those vows in good conscience and with great joy, with great joy. I remember the conversation vividly. Uh, Maria and I sat in chairs across from the pastor's desk. She was on my right. And the pastor, knowing that we were struggling with this, but that we wanted to do it, looked at Maria and he asked her, Maria, do you know that if Brian would use every ounce of his strength Everything at his disposal, without a shadow of a doubt, would love you and cherish you, would, that you would be at the center and be, have, he would have your best interests in mind with every decision he made. Even if it cost him his own life to do so, would you hesitate even for a second to submit to that love and care, to that provision and that protection? And Mary said, well, of course not. What we feared is the the wrong use of that, but not the intended use. 
And he said, don't you understand? That's exactly what Ephesians 5 is talking about here. It's the very nature of God's beautiful design and the structure for the family, but it's also more than that. What it's talking about here is the very nature of Jesus Christ, the bridegroom of the church, what he has done and is still doing for you. Not one of us here would dare put ourselves equal to Jesus As Philippians 2, 9 through 11 says, He who is highly exalted, whose name is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. That Jesus, of whom there is no equal, gave up everything. For you, everything, including his very own life. So that this relationship, in this relationship, you would have his splendor. You might be holy as he is holy, a bride without blemish for himself. Whether you're married or you're single, whether you're divorced or separated, whether you're an only child or one of many, you are included in this special relationship as part of the church. You are the bride of Christ. You have been made holy. And lest we see this only as a wedding text, listen again to verse 33. This mystery is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Hear the reading one more time. Only this time, try not to hone in on the words husband and wives. Rather, listen for the words Christ and the church. And afterwards, through this lens, like me, you'll probably go, how did I ever miss that? Listen once more. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, the church, that he might sanctify her, the church, having cleansed her, the church, by the washing in water with the word in your baptisms, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she, the church, might be holy and without blemish, in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members. We are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. 
This mystery is profound. I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. How did I miss that? It's all through there. But I was in love and I was, you know, not tuning in. I'm like, I'm just looking for the husband parts, trying to take notes, right? But it's all through there in this beautiful relationship between the Lord Jesus Christ, the bridegroom, and his church, you. And it's to submit to that kind of love. Jesus Christ is not domineering. And although he has complete authority, he chooses. He chooses to humbly serve you out of that great love. For the relationship to work, he even goes so far to lay down his life for you. And then he asks you, the church, to submit to that care and that protection because he has our best interests at heart. And he holds this model before us this day that at every level, in the church, in our homes, in our families, in our relationships with one another, that we each would live in love sacrificially as he does. It's all about Christ. That's why when we started out this journey, that a functioning church member in week one had to start first with God. That's why as a church member, as a healthy church member, you have to be unifying and not divisive. That being the bride of Christ isn't about entitlement. It's not about our own preferences and desires. And that if leaders and pastors are to be Christ to those under their care, then they need our prayers. They need them. And that if we are to lead our families to be healthy church members, then we need to lead them to Christ. Humbly, sacrificially, lovingly, each one of us, one to the other. Loving and caring about his bride, the church. As we do, as we seek to live in love in these ways, leading our families, our biological families, but also our church family, we must also acknowledge the brokenness of sin, that it doesn't always look like the model that's before us. But that doesn't mean that we discard it and that we don't continue to try striving for God's design but it's gonna look different at different levels. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. You have a high calling and it's not to lead from behind. If you've been coasting, maybe it's time to step it up a little bit. It might also mean that in blended families, that mantle of leadership is distributed, is shared. Or in many cases, the mantle has inadvertently fallen to a single mother or a single believer to love and lead their home. You are being Christ to those in your care at that level. Perhaps that looks like a first grader in our school leading their family in prayer. They too are living united with Christ in that relationship. If you're single, we're your family too. 
There's an entire family of faith here that you're called to love and serve sacrificially. And if you have no children or if your children are grown and out, that's no problem. We have a whole school full of kids that just so happen to be connected to this family of faith. And just to show you from real life that that's not a a small thing, my own family growing up. I was baptized when I was a baby, but we were very much for all intents and purposes an unchurched family. My parents would bring us to school at a Lutheran school and drop us off. Then they would bring us to Sunday school because it was a requirement, but then they would pick us up after it was over. They wouldn't stay. And it was through loving church families reaching out through the school that would bring my family into the church. And God would ultimately use that to the extreme of bringing another pastor into his church to care for the bride. God works through all these different levels as we lead our families. There's so many opportunities to serve the church, but we don't serve out of obligation. As members of this church of the bride who has been cleansed by the washing and water with the word in your baptisms, you've been baptized into Christ and no matter your age, Christ has made you holy in that regard so that you might be presented as the bride, the church, to himself, the bridegroom in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing so that as you, the bride, the church, you might fall even more deeply in love with the greatest bridegroom ever, Jesus Christ and lead others to submit in love to his protection and care. The bridegroom who loves you with unwavering and unconditional love. To him be the glory now and forever. Amen.